We share life stories of various individuals to inspire and educate. You're listening to Anecdotes, a podcast hosted by two millennials, Timothy and Vance. Thank you for joining us on this learning journey. Let's discover our why together. Welcome to episode number 10 of Anecdotes. This is a show where we share inspiring stories and learn how to become better each day, one anecdote at a time. I'm Vance, and as usual, I'm joined by my co-host, Timothy. Today, we have our second guest, Zhen Wei, a Japanese bowl pop-up shop entrepreneur. Let's jump straight to our conversation with Zhen Wei. So, today, we have our second guest, and it's yep. none other than a friend that I've known for a long time. His name is Chen Chen Wei. <laughs> hey, hey, guys. Okay, <laughs> okay so... Basically, I wanted to have him on this podcast for a long time. I've known him for about oh, 16 years. Or I don't know, man. I think like 15, 16 years. Yes. Mm. Probably and, around uh, the kind of yeah, time. Someone who I enjoy having conversations with. And recently, um, actually, I have met, as in, I have a um, crazy admiration for people who have a vision and a goal and then they went to act upon it. And he certainly has. So he's always wanted to set up his own F&B store. And I couldn't be more proud and more happy for him that he's actually doing what he wanted to do. And uh, I hope that many of you can take some form of inspiration or, you know, learn from this man here. <laughs> proper introduction. A proper intro- introduction. Before something like a dad. I sound like a dad. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, but I really do feel happy that he's doing what he likes to do, even though he's juggling school and a lot of stuff. You know, it takes a lot of discipline, I guess. And uh, so he's, start, he's doing sociology right now. Yeah, I'm doing a second year in sociology in Nanyang right now. Right now. Right now, yeah. <laughs> but... Yeah, I mean, F&B is like kind of my thing. Uh, because I've been like very interested in cooking and everything on my own. That's why like to take this leap and like uh to spread out my time from school, I find it's like, okay lah, something I enjoy. Uh, so I don't really find like a waste of my time. And it doesn't, do you feel tired? Yeah, definitely lah. I mean, it's not something that you, you are used to at first. Because like when you're studying and like you're thinking of doing a corporate job, uh, it's not as much hands-on as it is as I expected because I enjoy like planning more and management more but sometimes when you just gotta get down to the job and like do your thing then you don't like the execution part the execution part is is, is the fun part but yeah it's the one that's the most tiring I guess hmm. yeah that's cool but um, can you explain like why do you have a interest in cooking since young actually I don't really know I don't really know why I enjoy cooking. I don't because like I used to think that it's a family thing. Uh. I think that ran in my in my family. Okay. Like my my grandfather could cook, my great grandmother could cook, my dad could cook. Uh my mom, I would just say, yeah, <laughs> kind of la. She can she probably can cook la, I wouldn't write her off. So I kinda like grew up watching them in the kitchen most of the time. Hmm. Yeah. So it has to do with upbringing, I guess. I yeah. guess, I guess. I mean, from a sociolo- sociology point of view, <laughs> definitely I would say it's, it's your upbringing. Yeah, but uh, I spend more time now watching YouTube videos on cooking and stuff. Uh. It's like most of my, you know, like uh, recommended videos yeah. and stuff like that. Right? It's usually all like cooking, like 
cooking videos, restaurant videos and stuff like that. So, yeah, I guess it's like a, a spiral. Lah. Like the moment okay. you get in like, and then you just want to like... And I like to eat, lah, I guess. Mm, yeah. Explain the <laughs> size. <laughs> okay. okay, it's not that bad. I'm just kidding. But uh, actually, what do you derive most satisfaction? Is it from watching people enjoy your cooking or, you know, the whole process of whipping up a meal? Uh... Yeah, I mean, I guess it, it it's very nice, uh. Like you know, like what, what is very nice? Like lo- looking at people's face when they tell okay. you when they I mean when they eat your food, uh, and they tell you like it's nice. Okay. I mean, it sucks when it's the other way around when they tell you like, hey, <laughs> your food sucks and everything. But I mean, I guess that rarely happens. Oh. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I mean, and it's like kind of like a form of creation. Like right now, you know, uh, I would say in. In the times that we live in, we we don't create anything, uh, mm. in a way, right? We're always you, consuming. Yeah, we're always consuming things. I wouldn't say that cooking is like creating something new from, like you don't go and like cut the the cow and everything, but it's still a form of creation. Like you put together like mm. different uh products to form an end product, and end product is unique to everyone. Yeah. Yeah, because like everybody cooks differently. You have your own style and your own way of like, uh, preparing things. Uh, that's different. Yeah, and I always and I used to joke to my friends. Uh, I said that whenever I start cooking, right, then I whenever I use wine or anything, I'll just start drinking <laughs> when I'm cooking. Yeah, it makes the process even more fun, I guess. Mm. So it seems like you really enjoy the whole process, the whole journey, and not really the final product. Final product is in what sense? Like your final dish. It seems like you enjoy the whole process of making it, cooking, more than the finished product. I think the weird thing is, uh, in the industry itself, like whether you are a chef or anyone in the FME industry itself, it's it's ironic uh, that you can cook for everyone, right? But at the end of the day, you will not cook for yourself, uh. hmm. Like you won't enjoy your final product as much as others. Uh. I mean, it's the same thing, right? Like, you look at the same thing over and over again every day. But at the end of the day, like let's say you're like you're like doing sushi and everything. At the end of the day, what you're actually looking forward to is like a nice packet of like fried Hokkien mee or something. It's not <laughs> like something that you look at every day. Yeah. But I mean for a start you gotta taste your own food. Uh. <laughs> okay. I think I, I think what Tim is trying to say that you prefer you you really enjoy the the part of cooking. It's it's not to say that you don't like your food, but mm. it's more like you and you the most the thing that you enjoy the most is the cooking. Or oh, the process of yeah, cooking. Yeah, the whole process yeah. of cooking rather than, you know, the the final dish that appears on the on the table. Yeah, yeah. I guess the process is actually yeah. the, the, the most fun. Rewarding. Yeah, the most engaging part. La. Like, yeah. So, the, at what age did you meet, whip up your first meal that's not instant noodles? <laughs> oh, that's a tough question. I never really thought about it. Okay. I don't know, maybe like uh, when I was like 13, 14, then maybe I started doing like, like spaghetti and stuff. Yeah. So what age did you start to cook vents? Oh, I think around because in secondary school you had to go for the FNN class or something, right? Home economics. Yeah, yeah. Home, home economics. So I had to cook something and th- that was I think that was the first time I actually cooked something other than instant noodles. Oh yeah, okay. I think yeah. uh, around that time as well. Oh, actually I think I started baking before I started cooking. Like just okay. random 
like butter cake and stuff. <laughs> you mean your par- but your parents supervised it? Uh, or yeah, definitely, it? definitely. Oh. When you're young, they always tell yeah. you like, don't play in the kitchen and stuff. <laughs> but it's quite funny. It's like you realise that you are interested in cooking at a young age, but you never actually pursued it as a form of education. Or... Yeah, I mean, uh, I would say it's a very un- unorthodox uh, way of life, uh. Right, I mean, you 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 don't like study to grow up to want to be a, a yeah to be a chef, and it's not like a profession that is very widely regarded by everyone. Yeah, yeah like the the more common paths that people take nowadays, like lawyers, doctors, bankers, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. and what what not lah. So, uh, I don't think people actually, uh, m- many people actually aspire to become, to join this industry. They just happen upon it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's not something that. Uh, I mean, definitely not in Singapore, lah. Yeah. yeah, that is a that is something for sure. But in in other countries, definitely, uh, being a chef is prestigious. It's more prestigious than in in, in Singapore. Yeah. I mean, I mean, if you talk about chefs here, you're just referring them to hawkers, hawkers. Yeah, in yeah. Sense. In a, in a way, hawkers and like people who who cook, lah. I mean, in like normal restaurants. Yeah. But. Ever since I think like last year, right? Whenever the the, the when yeah, Michelin guy was 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 introduced and everything, then I felt like there's a bit of pressure on local chefs to to actually uh perform uh, to get into that ranks. Mm. Yeah, like it's it's like films, the film industry. I don't yeah, know if Singapore. I can relate it, but it kind of seems like everybody wants to win the Golden Globes, which is the Michelin stars. Yeah, so they aren't ex- actually. Cooking for the sake of, you know, for cooking good food for people to, to eat, but rather the recognition that comes with the Michelin star. I think the time has just started for Singaporean Singaporean chefs uh, and for people in this region because <coughs> the Michelin guide was really like introduced in Europe for like a few years ago. So that was really like setting their guideline for achievement. In uh in the past, like as a Singaporean chef or a Malaysian chef, you don't have something to work for towards to. Uh. Mm, yeah. There's yeah. no purpose, right? Yeah, but right now with the Michelin Guide, then it gives them a purpose, a goal. Yeah, to work to, to work towards like a award ceremony where they can attend and like be recognized for their work. Uh. Where in the past, we are a good chef, we are just a good chef. Maybe you're featured on Makan Sutra, you get <laughs> three, three bowls and three pairs of chopsticks, and that's it. La. It's not as recognized as a, yeah, as a Michelin start. But so, do you think it's a good thing? I, would, I wouldn't comment much on that, la, but I would say a good and bad parts yeah. to both uh, having a Michelin guide in Singapore. Yeah. Do you aspire to, to be one? No, actually, I. I would aspire to be a restauranter rather than a chef. Okay. Yeah. I would uh like I actually discussed this before with like my other friends, uh, like compared to another classmate of mine, he will probably be a chef, a very dedicated chef who owns a Michelin star restaurant. But I will be on the other end of it. I'll be someone who will own uh probably ten restaurants that are above average, but it's a group. Uh. Yeah, probably he's the one that has more dedication and motivation to run one restaurant to achieve three stars and probably uh, I would do like well, 10 small chains instead. La. I think yeah. you're just more diversified. La. In a way, I guess. He's, the guy probably puts all his eggs into one basket but you spread across all. Yeah, but hopefully all 10 restaurants can become Michelin star. <laughs> <laughs> cool. So that's where you see your future 
yeah. yeah, in the short term, I think what will be interesting is discovering a lot uh, and introducing a lot of new concepts mm. uh, into into Singaporean uh, palettes. Uh, because right now, to survive, actually survive in any industry, you got to be novel, you got to be something new, yeah. you got to be something fun and interesting and exciting and people's excitement die very fast. Uh. Yeah. So if you want to stick on with like, traditional kind of methods, I mean, yeah, definitely they will work out as staple food. But you will not gain the kind of like awareness and the kind of like attraction that new things will bring. Uh. Yeah. And I I believe la as uh we, we all need to like evolve. La. We all need to to yeah to to grow with times. Uh. We cannot just stick to all the old stuff. Yeah. I think the the overarching theme is that in whatever you do, you need to offer a certain type of value to anyone, be it food, be it a service, it needs to be something of value for it to work and for it to be accepted. So, yeah. And, but it's pretty interesting that, I mean, I didn't know that that's, even though I've known you for so long, I didn't know that you want to be a restauranter. I just know that you probably want to have loads of money, I think. <laughs> yeah, I guess money will be a, a driving factor now. Yeah. You can't deny it. Yeah, I mean, to be honest, yeah. you can't deny it. It's definitely something... If if you can't even sustain yourself, and I mean, if it's your passion, you can't sustain yourself. After a while, it's the passion that you can't sustain, I guess. Mm. Yeah. You you won't become a passion; it become a dream instead. Yeah, it will be something you can't achieve because yeah. of like uh financial difficulties and stuff. Uh. Mm. I got an interesting question though because you mentioned that you're studying sociology right now. Yeah. But you are pursuing a business revolving around F and B. So what made you want to study sociology? <laughs> Actually, sociology, to be honest, like, this question I've answered like many times. <laughs> so like, sociology wasn't my first choice. Uh, I would say, because uh, in Singapore Polytechnic, I used to study international business. Mm. So my background has always been in business. Mm. And when I applied for university, I didn't get I didn't get a, a placement in business schools, in any business schools in Singapore. Okay. Yeah. Like SMU didn't even give me an interview. <laughs> Well, I didn't even apply for NUS. Then I tried uh, Nanyang Business School, but uh, I wasn't even considered. La. So my second choice was actually sociology because uh, I chose it to give me a, another perspective on life. Uh. I was mm. interested to find out how things are like and how things work from a different point of view. La. Yeah. Do you think that has actually helped you in you know, creating ideas for your restaurants and stuff for your dad's business as well i think uh it hasn't created ideas but you kind of like understand how people grow uh. like what i tell you like what i told you just now about how we need change and everything right yeah like change is a constant uh. that, that's a phrase you hear all the time but that is like uh something we learn in sociology uh. like change only occurs when there's conflict mm. without conflict there can be no change and without change there can be no development uh. I would say that. La. So that is a, a theory that we... Embrace. That, yeah, we, <laughs> we, it's one of the key uh, school of thought la, in sociology itself. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I mean, it sounds quite boring to people if you... Mm, not to me at least. Yeah. yeah. I, think, I think maybe sociology kind of gives you a different perspective about life which can... C- can translate to your FMB business, not in a direct way, of course. Maybe 
mm, probably give you some sort of inspiration one way or another. I don't know. Yeah, but I think it's a very macro kind of thing. Mm. It's a more macro point of view. Like if you, I mean for any business, uh, it's very important that you need to understand your demographics and your business environment first before stepping into it. So sociology will probably uh, give you an understanding of how things might turn out in a given society. Like if you're looking at uh, developing countries and everything, uh, uh, it will just give you a better perspective of like uh, how things are being ran there, like, like how things are going on in, in, in like new countries. Uh. For developed countries, I think definitely there's change, but the change is not uh, as vast as those in developing countries. Uh. Mm. Yeah. So That's if true. you want to embark on and move into developing countries, then I think that it would help to... It's a, it's a good subject to understand a business environment in this kind of new places. Uh. I think largely it teaches you to empathize because when it trains you to think from another perspective, you're actually putting yourself in that person's shoes. And then you kind of, when you empathize, you know what people need and what people don't. So you are able to cater your business needs to those people. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would agree that it, it gives you perspective on how groups of people think. Uh. So it's kind of like, uh, it's comp- it's complementary with psychology, but yet it isn't like psychology. You understand mm. how an individual thing, yeah, yeah. But sociology kind of teaches you how when a group of people come together, how what how it actually validates their actions and their their thought. Okay, I guess. Mm. But th- on the whole, uh, on the whole, sociology is a very uh, theoretical subject. You can't <laughs> really. really there's this, no right. Answer. Yeah, there's no right or wrong, and you cannot just like copy wholesale and then just fo- apply it into a situation. Uh. You, it, it's like, uh, what, what would we say? Like, I was just having this, 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 this discussion yesterday. So, you know, like in the past where philosophy used to be very popular, uh, people used to, to mm. follow the school of thoughts of like Plato, Aristotle, and yeah, and everything like that. But after a while, you realize that their ideas go out of fashion. Uh. I mean, people still study philosophy nowadays, but yet it's not as applicable to us now as compared to in the past because philosophy my, is uh, is not exactly backed by science uh. yeah but sociology is like the younger brother of philosophy uh. yeah. you understand you understand it, it, it kind of it, there's a reason why they call it social sciences uh, because it's science. yeah it's a science and there are measurements that are uh, put into it uh. like you take like fewer uh, qualitative research quantitative uh, research to back your findings uh. That's why it's considered as a science. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I, I feel uh, that uh, even in time to come, right, all these thoughts were, once they discover something new, all these thoughts will be considered uh, not as useful as it is now. Uh. For now, it's a very modern subject as it's just introduced within the past century. So everything is very applicable, but I can't promise that within the next two, three, next two to three centuries uh, where things might change and then like whatever concepts that you are learning now will not be applicable then. Uh, yeah. So it would be very similar to philosophy in a way. Uh. Yeah, but I mean no offense to any philosophers <laughs> out there. Let me I mean they're probably dead. Yeah, <laughs> let, let, let me let me put a, a disclaimer out there for those uh, studying philosophy. <laughs> no offense there. Hmm. But uh but I mean you mentioned that you like cooking and stuff, but what was it that like what kind of advice could you give to anyone who doesn't have an interest and 
how can they go about discovering their interests? Uh, I think the first thing you need to do is to take the leap of faith. Uh. But how do you know what you want to do when you don't know what to do? <laughs> you you got to try. I think it's right now, right? When you're young, uh, you still have the capability. I uh, capability. Capacity, the, the, like time. Um, you don't have the obligations. Uh. Yeah, and you can afford to fail. Uh. So when whenever you read like all the thought catalog and all that shit on Facebook where they say like oh yeah this is your best time to fail you you, you should only <laughs> learn to fail you can only learn to walk if you keep falling down but I mean I don't disagree with that la. I feel that it's it's true yeah of course yeah you you gotta fail to understand like okay this doesn't work for me or whether if this works for me uh what how can I improve on it if you don't fail now right I mean you think about it if, if life life is like a, a ladder lah. So right now when you're climbing that ladder, you're probably on the lower rungs. Uh. So when you fall off now, it doesn't hurt as much. Uh. You just cli- start climbing That's again. True. And you think of it, if you if you are un- if you're unwilling to fail and you're unwilling to try, and then you really climb that ladder and you're on higher rungs, uh, probably when you're in 40s or 50s, isn't that too late for you to fall? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, my advice, I mean, I, I don't think I've achieved much yet, but uh, my advice is yeah to just keep trying in everything that you ever wanted to try probably like um, sign up for a gym class or like uh, learn how to ride a horse or like <laughs> it can be anything uh. I mean you, you never know that you enjoy riding a horse uh, until you try mm-hmm. it so if you really like have the interest for like horse riding and stuff you just go for it or like ice skating or anything give it a try probably like commit like one to three months on it yes. and then if, you, if it really sticks on it means it's your passion uh. Yeah. Yeah. If you do it and then after a while you realize like, oh shit, I'm just doing this for the sake of doing it, then I I wouldn't recommend you. Yeah. I I think like the best way to find out something that you enjoy is to find out something that you don't enjoy first. Yeah, I guess. And then you just vote the other way around. And then when you find out something you don't enjoy, then you'll know, okay, that's it's time to move on. But I don't know, some people uh, they don't have purposeful lives. Like I believe all of us need a purposeful life for in order in order to give meaning to ourselves. So in a sense that if you are constantly waking up every day feeling lost, dejected and stuff, so it's like how do you even start man? That's a very deep thought there. <laughs> yeah. Because I did experience that I um, the past few months not really that bad but I just didn't I was dreading going to work and it sucks so I was just thinking like if there are people in my shoes who are still in my shoes and still dragging themselves to work so what's the best possible cause of action for them I think routi- routines are very dangerous the moment you get stuck in a routine like mm. Uh, it's it's good, it's safe, but yet again, uh, it doesn't allow you to explore other mm. things. So even if you are in a routine, right? Like even if you are stuck in a routine, it's always best to find your free time and then to like really understand what you actually want to do. Uh. yeah. But and you just question yourself like, if you're working, are you working for the money? Or like all the other stuff that you used to say. Uh, if you work, and if you enjoy a job, then it's not a job, uh. 
Yeah, I mean, it kind of sound, sound quite bushy there. But it's true, like, it doesn't, like, feel such... A, it doesn't feel as tedious as a, as a normal job. Uh, yeah. I guess. Okay. So how do you find uh, your purpose in life? Well, I started off... And every day, like, okay, let's say, things started to change when... I started reading. I was never one who enjoyed reading in the first place. I never finished my literature text. And I went for my O-levels without finishing. Till then, until the age of like 20, 21, I started to read when I was in army because I was bored. And then you slowly broadens your perspective. And then I didn't really have someone to, to, to seek advice from on what I should do or should not do. So, it all came from reading and then just to try and not care about what people think. I think the most important thing is that a lot of people are too afraid of what others might judge them. That they are afraid to try new things. And like you said, so I went to try out Jiu-Jitsu and then I realized that there's something that gives me fun, purpose. Getting good at something makes you feel good. So it makes you want to continue that something. And and then everything just went from there. You just see what should you spend time on. So that's about it. Uh. And uh, I'm still figuring out what other things I could spend my time on. And this is obviously one of them, the podcast. Even though it's quite tiresome, you know, sometimes you have to, you have to commit. The, the The committing part is actually not as easy as everyone thinks because mm-hmm. you have to set aside uh, two, three hours every weekend when you could be possibly be hanging out with your friends doing other stuff that are like sleeping or <laughs> lazy stuff. But Definitely not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so and then you realize that but once you get it in your system, I think it's very easy already. I think... From listening to what both of you said, right? For someone who doesn't know like what to do, finding a purpose and everything, I think most of those people who don't really find a purpose is because they have so much input. So they keep consuming things, but they don't output anything. Or they don't output anything. They don't create. Like cooking is a creation. Uh, podcasting is a creation as well. Writing is also a creation. Making videos is also a creation. So I think for people who without a purpose in life, instead of thinking about consuming, you know, inputting everything, you must output something or at least find ways to find something to output instead of just consuming everything. When you keep consuming, it becomes a habit and you find it hard to output anymore. But if you don't output at all, how are you going to reach your purpose? How are you going to find your purpose in life? Because mm-hmm. your purpose is, I mean, unless you have a passion in consuming things. <laughs> but usually... Passions come from outputs, right? Creation. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, creating value. That's why you're creating value for people. I guess that's from 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 what both of you said. Yeah. That's yeah. So we are on the other side of the spectrum. I guess we are creators and not consumers. But yeah, I mean, I agree with what both of you guys said. Like, you gotta just give you. You just gotta try your hand at at, at creating something. Can be anything small. Or anything like uh, yeah. little, and then you start from there, and then you, you feel a sense of achievement that mm. uh you get 
it's it's like how social media works, ah. Like you, your sense of achievement comes when you have a follower base, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that your your posting online is kind of like your the creations. Ah, the recognitions. Yeah, and the the likes are like how you actually gauge like whether people are consuming your things, right? So what makes you a a a, a popular person on social media is when you become a creator instead of a consumer. Yeah. Right. Mm. That's right. So that's a that's quite an interesting perspective to look at la. Like and I don't know, I mean another thing that I would actually like get people to try to do is like just go up and talk to people that you that you have you never ever thought you have a conversation with. Like when's the last time you ever went up and talked to a random stranger or have a chat mm. and find out more about like their lives. I mean in 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 the in Singapore like this kind of place uh, this kind of place that we are living in, right? You really even like talk to the person you see at the yeah. bus stop every day. Yeah. Even though you go to work at the same time, you take the same bus, you take the same train. I mean, you never know where the conversation will go. Yeah. yeah, and I always say this to people is that in this day and age we have become so connected in the sense of internet and phones, but we have become so disconnected at the same time because we rarely even bother to say hi or smile at the person who or say thanks to the person who holds the door at the leaf swas or you know just to offer help when you see somebody we are so in our own world like selfish in a way mm. that we forget the basic human interaction yeah and uh, it kind of like struck me like I Okay, I'm someone who like would talk to strangers as a person. As a person, I would, I would feel that I'm quite sociable. But this kind of thing really struck me like two or three months ago because I stayed in hall in school. And like an exchange student came by in the in the lift and then he he just said like, hey, good evening and like good afternoon or, or whatnot. And I actually said like, yeah, like how's it going, man? Then we just struck up a few conversations, like a few lines uh, of conversation in the lift. And he told me like, you know, you know, you know what's the funny thing? Like, you're one of those guys, right? That actually replied, <laughs> replied me in the lift. He said, "I've been," uh, he said, "It's it's very customary for him, uh, like, cause he's from Amsterdam, so he says that it's very normal for them to like, hey, like, hey, good morning, and like, say hi to people on the street, like, hey, how's it going, and everything, and people are like, yeah, I'm fine, and stuff like that. So it's a very customary thing. I mean, you may not continue on from that, but he told me like. The look of disbelief when people actually yeah. like people actually give we him. We don't know how to react. Yeah, and you're just lost, eh? When whenever like he he goes in the lift and he 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 told me like he say like hey how's it going guys then people just like look at him like are you mad? <laughs> are you trying to talk to me in the lift? Yeah, I I feel that it's this like is so taboo, right? Yeah, it's it's scary. I mean, it should be something that is normal, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. And 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 is and it becomes normal when you do it, keep doing it. Yeah, and it it keeps doing it, and you think about it. Uh, whenever you want to reach out to someone on like uh, email or social media then it becomes okay like if I send you a Facebook message <laughs> you and I tell you yeah you need a medium to like so it becomes like, a barrier between you and a person you need to hide behind that barrier for you to communicate yeah. with somebody else yeah. which I feel is is, is very weird uh. yeah that's what we are becoming nowadays so uh, I would actually like advise people to just go out and uh, mm. I mean, yeah, people might think you're mad, but just don't don't look so <laughs> just mad. Just don't care. Yeah, just yeah. don't care. Nobody's gonna judge you anyway. What What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, right? I mean, I mean, one of the things you can think about is you're never ever gonna see that person again. Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but I can't promise that. <laughs> so yeah, well, uh, I did, but there are people who are shy and insecure, 
but that started to change as well for me. In the past, I also didn't like uh, I don't want to strike out a conversation, especially if I see a pretty girl. Then you'll be like scared, sweating, sweating, and but turns out I don't know, I kind of got rid of the fear by convincing myself that you know what's the worst that could happen. She just say no, I don't talk to you. Let's see what. <laughs> I mean Does, does it, doesn't doesn't affect you that much, right? Yeah, yeah. What on what hurts is only your ego. The, it's only your ego that takes the most damage. And then oh, I, I guess for Chinese it's face uh. Yeah. La. yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of uh face value in like Asian societies. Uh. Mm, yeah, but that's probably why. I guess yeah, it's something we are being brought up with also. La. I mean it's actually something good but yet it's detrimental to us as well. Because even when we emphasize so much on face and, you know, recognition and stuff like that, that's why we kind of, like, achieve way more than we are supposed to, in a sense. We kind of, like, build a box around ourselves. So yeah. we, are get, we are stuck in this. Yeah, yeah. but that's where we are unable to achieve more, right? But we're still, like, I don't Maybe I shouldn't go into risk. Yeah, but but back <laughs> back back to the the point where you say like finding a purpose in life. Uh. So I feel that uh, just by talking to people, getting to know more people, make friends. Uh, just don't make too many enemies. Um, enemies are okay, but not too many. <laughs> and then like once you find out about what other people are doing, what's going on in their lives and everything, and find out how how people actually like what what is their purpose in life. Uh. And then, who knows, you might actually share something common with them. So maybe you might start off like sharing a common purpose with somebody else first before you actually find out your own purpose. uh. Yeah. There's something that uh, you can try uh, even if you... If you really are... you're lost. Yeah, if you're really a lost sheep. (laughs) Maybe try talking to like your closest friends first and ask them like, oh, so what are you doing nowadays and everything. Maybe you... They might just inspire you to find your your, your purpose. uh. But if you really want to get out of the box and talk to random people... uh, yeah, I think um, that would be interesting. But what's funny was yesterday <laughs> I was asked by my colleague, Daryl. <laughs> uh-huh. He asked me, he just asked me so randomly, like, "What's your passion?" And I'm like, and then I was like, I was stumped for words. I genuinely didn't know how to answer him. But, mm-hmm. and I still don't really have a clue what the answer is. Also, but I do know I have certain interests, but it's not something that I would consider as my passion yet. But I don't know. What about you? Have you have a passion? Do you have a passion? It's an overused word, I know. But <laughs> yeah, like passion fruit. <laughs> <laughs> no, but but uh, I haven't really like even for me, I wouldn't feel that I have a definite passion yet. Mm. Yeah, but I'll work towards uh achieving something as fast as I can. Uh. But right now, if I'm following my passion, then definitely is more related it's more food related mm. yeah I'm more interested in this industry for now yeah hopefully it works out for me uh. if it doesn't then yeah I guess I have to talk to more strangers to find out about <laughs> my, my new passion yeah interesting because uh, yeah we, we both be- me and Vance we both believe that the best way to learn anything is through people's experiences yeah and like you said it you know when you talk to people, you know, uh, their likes and dislikes and then their experiences, you can figure out what you like as well. Then I guess you guys are going to learn a lot. Eh? 
when you have the, yeah. your next few guest speakers on sharing their experiences exactly. then exactly that's, yeah. that's the whole point that's why whole we recall these anecdotes because it's personal stories and yeah. which is why you, we have you because you uh, you have your own personal story and some of the things you share with me are stuff that I also do not know yet I didn't know that you spoke to some Amsterdam Dutch Amsterdam, guy some Dutch guy <laughs> yeah in the league and then he gave you like all this inspiration to talk to more people mm. so it's in pretty interesting anyway for the you know speaking of random strangers thing right it reminds me of a YouTube ad I'm not sure whether you've seen it before but it's by Mentos there's these two kids hooked up to the telephone then they will, they will instruct random strangers to talk to other random strangers and then at the end of the conversation right they will offer a Mentos I don't know that that, that ad does give me so much joy whenever I see it. I would, I would nev- I never okay. ever skip it. Go and find it and put it in the show notes. Yeah, it'll be in the show notes because <laughs> it, it, it's actually quite a huge inspiration and you know, there are some, they show some people thinking, mm, like give, give them a weird look like, like are you crazy kind of thing at your face. <clears throat> but it kind of inspired me also like that actually like, like you mentioned uh, you know, because right now it's like so, it's so uncommon to just speak to someone whether is it on the bus stop, whether is it at a cafe, whether is it on the streets, or even your neighbour, or anyone that you actually see every day, but, you know, talking to that person is just so uncommon already, and, it's actually quite sad. Yeah, but... Yeah, I mean, they created the telephone for good reasons, which is to aid the facilitate communications. Yeah. But some kind of, somehow or rather, it kind of hinders our communication right now. I think it's like uh, times have changed uh, like exchanges have become more brief uh. mm. like even like you mentioned like telephones were created for conversations but yet again people turn to more uh, like shorter forms of communication nowadays such as like WhatsApp yeah. or you send stuff like it's just like a few letters <laughs> uh, and, uh, and it's like WYD yeah WYD and then I'm and I'm, I'm supposed to tell you like, what am I doing now like <laughs> you talk less on the phone nowadays. Uh. It becomes like a chore. Like yeah. you call me and I have to pick up your call and I like, yeah. shit, I have to spend these three minutes talking to you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I mean... <laughs> but on the contrary, I, I don't like texting, you know. Like, and maybe it's just my nature and lazy to text. I prefer meetups, to be mm. honest. It gives me more... I don't know, I derive more satisfaction from having conversations with people who I care about, whom I care about. And like you said, it's funny, you see, now, um, we are un- you're, you're saying the exchanges have become so brief, right? We are unable to share more through conversations, but we are willing to share whatever the hell we are doing on Instagram. Now we've like, so the, you can add like a few pictures. So oh. like, yeah, all my birthday pictures, I can just put into like, how many shots. But people are willing to share that, but they're not willing to share it through conversation takes a lot of effort to share through conversation. You need to think how to express it, express it in some way that is appealing to the person so that the person will think that you're good. Mm. It just takes so much effort. And yeah. like random stuff like, you know, like, whenever I ask you, like, like mention about birthday party, right? So you ask, you ask someone like, hey, how's your birthday? They say, huh, check it out. I really post on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> really hate that. Really? I really hate you that. mean you never see? I really put it on Facebook. <laughs> yeah, then you get these kind of responses and like, like, uh, like, hey, it's like such a conversation killer. 
Yeah. Like yeah. here I am trying to ask you more about your life and then you just tell me like why not just check it out <laughs> on Facebook. So there just <laughs> see for yourself. Yeah. So I guess is a it's good and bad la. Like you don't you, social media becomes something like you don't miss out on people's life, but yet it condenses everything and we feel that uh we just need to do as many things as we can in as least in the least possible time. Yeah. Yeah. But it kinda sets like this standard of how we should live our lives when we see our friends holding holding like very big birthday parties then it kind of sets a benchmark for us on how we should be like you look at Kendall Jenner Kylie Jenner they're like doing all sorts of shit I guess that's where social media fails in that sense it makes you it's, it's supposed to make you feel better connected to your friends but sometimes when you look at your friends doing so well, you makes feel bad about insecure. yourself. Insecure. Yeah, it makes you feel insecure. It makes you f- feel like you're not as worthy as oh, your yeah. friends. You're not yeah. living a life that you should be yeah. living. <laughs> Any other questions you want to ask him? Hmm. So, have you ever thought of studying cooking or anything? I mean, I don't think you need to study cooking, uh, but I don't know. Because I'm, I'm like so new to this kind of like restaurant and everything, so I'm not sure. Is there, is there anything that you need to have or get that can help you? Some kind of accreditation, is it? And also maybe propel you forward faster in some ways, I don't know. Yeah, I actually consider that. Like, I believe that uh, mm. I'm like a home cook. La, so like everything I do, right, is just like, like anyhow. Uh, like, you know, like whatever I feel is the right way, I'll just do it. Okay. And then like whatever I do is just things that I read before or watched before and stuff like that. But yeah, I ever consider like going to a culinary school to learn like basic kitchen skills and stuff. Like how to work in the kitchen, communication. Uh, in the kitchen, it's not that simple. La. Just like any other workplaces, uh, there are roles and positions in the kitchen. So for someone who is untrained and uh, who comes from no background, right? I believe that... Uh, in the F&B industry itself where the product is food, you need to have a very, very strong understanding of your product first before you can actually be successful in it. So for me, I have a, I, I'm considering uh, enrolling in a culinary school uh, overseas to probably learn uh, all the basic kitchen skills uh, and maybe like some pastry skills just to be very well versed in all the cooking methods. Uh. Cause it's very diverse and it's getting even more diverse now. Like you got so many ways of cooking. You got like speed. yeah, you got like uh frying, baking, poaching, uh boiling and what what not and everything lah. So, um, the culinary school will be very interesting because it will teach you it teach you all these kind of skills and like how to properly handle a knife, how to do things the right way. Yeah, the right way instead of like just how you always cut. Yeah, instead of just like doing every, every like the way you're doing ah, yeah. So. It would definitely give me a different perspective, lah. Because right now, once if let's say I'm culinary trained, mm. I will understand what. Uh, if let's say I'm managing a team of chefs, I will understand what their problems they what are their problems they face during uh, operations, what they require from the restaurant, and if you're not culinary trained, you do not need, you do not know what how the kitchen operates and what the kitchen needs. In a sense, you do not know what's value adding. Yeah, and you gotta yeah yeah you you don't know what what kind of like how to value add. Yeah. Yeah, and what 
your stuff actually needs. Uh. Hmm, interesting. So yeah. if you're culinary trained, right? I mean, let's say if I'm culinary trained, definitely any new ventures or establishment that uh, hopefully I can embark on, I will definitely throw myself in the deep end of the pool and like just join them in the first few months to know to know and understand how the operations are being done. Uh. Yeah. I like I like your your train of thought in running a business because I realize one thing that you shared is actually in order for you to run a business, you need to know the ins and outs of the business. A lot of people these days they thought that, for example, I wanna run a a coffee shop, uh selling like artisan coffee. So I thought it'd be as simple as okay, I'm just gonna run the show by selling coffee that I think I like and I think that people will like as well and then everything will just go according to plan but that's not the case whereas you 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 think of it as a point where I need to know what works and what doesn't work before I can run the show and a lot of people are just diving head first into thinking that everything is as simple as it is without actually figuring out what it takes to succeed so that's quite cool for from what I what you share. La. And they end up spending a lot of money on <laughs> consultants. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's where uh, another vote is being filled uh, by this group of people. So they just come in, they need this, they need that, but yet they don't understand uh what is required, right? They end up spending a lot more on consultants to fill up this void la, for them. Which I'm trying to avoid because I really want to understand the entire workflow first. Yeah. yeah. And to add on to that before you even started your pop-up store. You actually help out with the operations, the marketing of your dad's restaurant. Mm. And you see, those were the tools that he did. He did the groundwork before he actually decided whether or not to start his own business. He actually knew what it takes for in terms of marketing, how to get the customers. He went to look at the operations, how to run an effective operation. And he went to look at the manpower and stuff, like he said, how to value add to the whole um, process chain. Pro- yeah. yeah, the whole process. So, in, in actual fact, he actually did his homework before he actually started on something he's passionate about. Mm. And that's what a lot of people fail to do and fail to understand. Because the homework part is not exactly fun. It takes a lot of effort. The yeah. most boring part, right? But you got to plan really well. Yeah. Your, your planning is a very important step before you actually embark on anything. So, Definitely, you need to set everything in place first before uh, launching it very hard. Yeah. yeah, and for anyone who's facing difficulty in marketing their restaurant, you know who to look for? <laughs> <laughs> well, to be honest, he but, really turned the tights for his dad's restaurant, I think. Yeah, but then, then again, like you see, it goes back to the whole point of a consultant. So, like, whenever you hire a consultant, right? the person has no vested interest in your establishment. Yeah. So, definitely what I do for my own business is something that's very different. Uh, if, I, if I'm a consultant and I don't own the restaurant, I'm, I'm just... I'm going to give like 80%. Yeah, or probably less because like, I'm just a salaried worker. Yeah. Like, when, when it, but whenever it's your own establishment and you're the one that's putting effort in it, then I guess it's different. Uh. Yeah. So, as a con- that's why that's the downside to hiring consultants. Like, they're just doing things for the sake of like... Uh, achieving whatever you, you yeah whatever whatever requirements you need them to do but they don't go the extra mile la. yeah which which really sets them apart from doing from from you doing everything yourself I guess. so you will go the extra mile la. 
<laughs> as in when it's when it's my when it's my own place, then definitely I'll work even harder lah. But yeah, you get my you get my drift right. Like whenever know, you hire la, you hire a consultant. I know. Yeah lah, it's it's hard because when you have a stake in it, then of course you would put in your all and stuff. Yeah. It's like who who likes to do OT? That's the easiest way to express it. Nobody likes to do OT. I guess only the boss. Yeah, so like, only so when you have a stake in the business, then yeah. you want to do OT. And I guess to add on what what you said just now, right? I think there's a difference between a le- a businessman and a leader. So mm-hmm. what you're striving to do is to be a leader rather than a businessman, because a businessman just wants to start a business to earn money, right? Yeah. But a leader wants to know whatever he's going to lead very well, so that he can lead the charge. And he can teach the people that needs the whatever he whatever the, the, the team needs. True. So it's more like leading a course versus you know building a business. Although there are some overlaps, but I think ultimately if you want your business to flourish, to stand out for other people, that's where leading actually makes a whole lot of difference rather than just running a business. Interesting. Right? Well, how do you think of that? <laughs> I don't know. When you are talking it just it just okay. struck me. Yeah. yeah. Because I don't know. I mean, I'm pretty sure we've we've seen like successful biz- businesses, but a lot of the so-called the CEOs, the leaders, they don't really know what what kind of business they're in. Also, yeah, you know. But those that really make a difference is where you have people who they know are into it with their yeah. you know their their they're into they're into operations, to the management, to every single thing, right from the start all the way to the end. Those are what makes the business exceptional. Yeah. Uh yeah, and Tim, I think you mentioned before it's very similar to your servant leadership. I did. Yeah, because like <laughs> you, you gotta like what I said like, You gotta really like throw yourself in there to know what everybody else is going through, to know mm. what kind of difficulties that they are facing. Uh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, like like what like what you say is true. If I'm a businessman, I don't care. Yeah. Right. Like I don't even care about whatever troubles you have, whatever problems you have. I just, I just want to make money. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just exploit you as much as I can. <laughs> like you, if 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 the the law states that you have to work forty four hours a week, I'll just make you work forty four hours a week. I don't give a shit about your life. <laughs> yeah. I mean that's true, but let's say if you are if you really put put yourself in their shoes, then mm. you will know like how difficult it is uh, to actually uh go through the entire process. Uh. Yeah, I, I I like how, you know, you're into understanding the whole thing, doing it, actually really doing it, you know, preparing the food, serving the customers, coming up with, you know, all the schedules and everything to help the business run, rather than just, you know, sit back, just hire the people to do it for you and everything. I mean, almost anyone can do that, right? You just need to hire the <laughs> right people, right? But that's right. For someone to actually lead a business, I think that's a whole different thing. I guess mm. run a business and lead a business, that's the difference. Yeah. Yeah. So, share with us what is the most difficult part about this whole venture so far. The most difficult part? Uh, I wouldn't say most. Uh, everything is difficult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very tedious. Uh. It's something that, like, like, like I mentioned, uh, you just have to give an extra you just gotta give extra effort for everything so I would say like the most difficult thing is your lack of time like moment the, when, the moment you commit to something then you have to you have to give up something else yeah so yeah, like true. I don't really have a lot of time 
Uh, yeah, I haven't seen you since <laughs> you you ended your exams or something. Yeah. Well, since the last time I helped you move your fridge. Yeah, yeah. yeah I haven't seen you <laughs> since then. Yeah. So you don't really get a lot of spare time, uh, yeah. Until today, when I have my spare time to come over and speak with you guys. Yeah, appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, later at the end of the podcast, please share where your pop-up store is located. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I guess the most difficult part is uh, you guys sacrifice time. Uh. Yeah, for, for for now, definitely it'll be a very hard push. Uh, and it's the same thing uh, for, for everyone. Whenever you find your passion and you put your heart to it, I think... Uh, it's gonna be worth it yeah it's, it's gonna be worth it and the uh, sacrifice that you make now uh, hopefully you'll reap your benefits much later la. it's the same for any uh, entrepreneurs whenever you set on an entrepreneur project or anything you'll find yourself very short of time la. yeah that's why mm. they always say that one of the most successful people is sleep very little but I, I can't yeah. I can't I need to <laughs> I, need, I, need, I need to sleep a lot so uh, I guess that's a downside la. that's why I have not enough time well but if you <laughs> sleep less you you're actually giving up something which is your health. Mm. So, whereas they give up health for time, but you give up time for your health, I guess. Yeah, so I guess it's a healthy trade-off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sleep is important. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I can't operate with little sleep as well. Mm. How about the single most impactful lesson that you've learned from this venture? Single most impactful venture okay. from, from lesson, this venture. Lesson, Probably yeah. do you need some time to think about that. Uh I guess no what I I feel that I haven't like uh experienced it yet. Because uh. right now we're probably like three weeks in. Mm. Yeah, I can't, still learning yeah, about I still can't give you a definite answer for this question yet. But probably, hopefully, when I when I if I can, if I can find it soon, I'll let you know, let you guys know. Uh. Yeah, probably when because like, like I said the, if you ask me like which is the most impactful I'll tell you everything uh. everything is like wow. and now I'm getting like everything left right center eh. <laughs> so it's like really just struggling in the deep end right now so have you have your parents said anything about that uh, I think they're really like uh, encouraging uh. They, it's good they seem really uh, happy happy yeah that I'm not spending my time sleeping. <laughs> I'm actually doing something else. Mm. And yeah, they are actually like quite convinced uh, that my passion is in food. Uh. Because they used to say that I, my passion is always short-lived. Oh, Yeah, okay. and like, I feel it's normal. Uh. It's not like, to have a short-lived passion is not something wrong. Because mm. like, like, what I mentioned earlier, like, it's good for you to go out and try and do something that you like. And But after a while, we realized that uh, you're just doing it for the sake of doing then it's time for you to change uh. but giving up is okay yeah giving up is okay but make sure you do it fast uh. <laughs> don't hang in there too long and just keep trying to deceive yourself that you should continue doing it and I feel that that is, uh, that is wrong uh. making like, uh, yourself miserable yeah if, if you're just doing it for the sake of doing it then I wouldn't recommend it but mm. they're quite surprised uh, that I'm still hanging in there until now I think they mm. probably would have thought that you have given yeah I would have like just given up but uh yeah everything is still looking good for now so they are still quite quite happy yeah. do, you, do you think that part of this motivation to do well has to do with proving something to your parents yeah I wouldn't say proving and to I, my parents uh, I would say doing it for myself and for others uh, but definitely my parents would be one of them but 
not uh, a large uh yeah percentage. yeah not a large percentage should be to my parents uh, so yeah. how how has this like um i don't know it must have made your relationship with your parents better in a certain aspect uh, and k- you feel of. that they are proud of you then i think it kind of strengthens the relationship yeah but mm. i wouldn't uh assure that so quickly yeah <laughs> yeah, because I haven't really achieved uh pure success yet. Uh. It's still mm. it's still in the in the struggling period. But it's it's great to know that they are still encouraging me la. And I feel that this kind of support is very like uh useful mm. in times yeah. of in times of or like like this uh, where your parents and friends are actually very encouraging and actually gives you the motivation to, to want, want to do to, better yeah, to want for to do, them as well. Right? Yeah, that's right. So uh, I mean definitely like my parents are not supportive of me then it will make it even easier for me to just like give up in, yeah. in times of difficulty but yeah so but, but they really can they're really encouraging me because we both all of us actually find our potential in this uh, in this uh, little venture that I'm actually doing right now yeah. and I think that when we focus on me 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 all the time right what we actually get is just happiness but when we actually focus on us and everyone else, we get fulfillment. Yeah. yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, you see, when you're doing it for not only yourself, your partner, your business partner, your family, your friends, you see, they give you motivation. Then that's it. Uh. It gives you that extra drive to put in that 10%, no matter how tired you are, or how bored, or how sian you are. Yeah. So, yeah, this something that most of us overlook. Yeah. We thought that, oh, I'm just doing it for myself. But no, you're actually doing it for people around you sometimes. But uh, on the flip downside, side. <laughs> on the flip side, I, I just don't get so much time to spend with them anymore. Yeah, but like I said, la, this kind of sacrifice It's a trade-off, right? It's a trade-off. But that doesn't mean you won't be spending time with them later. Physically, la, but mentally and spiritually, <laughs> they, are, they are still... They are still Supporting me, so I guess that's enough. Uh. I don't need like. Yeah, it's the moral support. That yeah, moral support. You, the you don't want support. someone close to you pouring cold water at you. You want someone, mm. you know, pouring hot water. Hot water. Uh, I don't. Know. <laughs> What's the opposite of uh, that? <laughs> cheering you on. Yeah. Just cheering you on. Yeah. Yeah. I I think I think family support is something that is very important when it comes to something that's uncertain, you know, like you don't know, you jump into it, you don't know. Because like, this is, this is, this is your first time running something, uh, a, f- a food venture, a pop-up shop. And, all, all you need is just support from the people who matter to you. People who are close to you, who will be there for you even if this were to fail or to be successful and everything. I think, the people around, yeah, how do, I mean, you probably were met with negativity or criticisms when you wanted to start this, were you? Uh yeah, definitely. There, it's not the like bit of roses. Uh, you don't get, <laughs> you don't get like positive stuff all the time. So like, what 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 did you receive? I mean, like starting when we were experimenting, we were like trying our menu and testing our own stuff. People telling you, like, hey, uh, I think this, this sucks. Yeah, those this won't work. It won't be. It won't be able to 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 sell because it's too expensive. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but but at the end of the day, you just, you just gotta be confident, uh. How do you deal with that? You just gotta be confident. Like, I was really confident in my in my own product, and 
uh, market research is very strong. You just got to go out there and know what, yeah. Yeah, what you're up against and how your product is being placed among uh, that, that pool. Uh. Mm. And whether, like, how you're going to stand out from it. Yeah, so I was, like, really confident with it. Like, like uh, what you said, uh, in F&B industry, you can't please everyone. Uh, taste is subjective in a way. Yeah. Some some people have very strong, like, taste buds and some people, like, they yeah. don't. Some yeah. like sweet, some like salty. Especially salty, yeah. Uh, you're talking about, like, uh, the saltiness of food, right? Yeah. Everybody has varying levels, uh. So, yeah. Uh, every time you do you whenever you prepare a dish, some people complain like, "Hey, like, there's too too much salt in this." Like, oh, uh, it's too light. Yeah. Oh, you don't don't even th- don't talk about salt. Uh. Let's talk about portions. Uh, right. Let's say everybody eats different amount of like rice, for example. Mm. So like some people complain like, "Hey, there's too much rice. Uh, why why you're giving so much rice? Maybe like this is such a waste. You all should serve less rice." Some people complain, "Wow, this portion is so little. Can you all <laughs> give more?" Yeah. <laughs> so it's very hard to please everyone. Uh, but at the end of the day, like. You just gotta be confident of uh your own product. Uh. No matter what it is, I'm not just talking about food. Uh. You just gotta understand your product really well. And like um right now we are still like experimenting and hiring uh new part timers and workers. Uh. So I always tell them like, hey, you make this bowl every day, right? Uh yeah. at the end of the day, the last one, right? You okay, the, either the first one or the last one, usually we all ask them to eat it before. Uh, operations uh, mm-hmm. just to just to make sure everything's okay nothing gone wrong nothing gone bad nobody poisoned you and stuff like that and no, I'm just <laughs> kidding but yeah but I tell them like uh, you need to be proud of your work is uh, it? no no you gotta understand what you're selling for you to push it if let's say I'm to, I was to tell you like to sell this this product and you've never tried it before and you just keep <laughs> reading the, off the textbook the, the textbook uh, details to people yeah. <laughs> right it's like it's like in the past when you w- used to work in in the IT fair and stuff. Yes. Right? And then like you work for companies like Acer and then they just give you this like pamphlet where they have all the information and you're just selling that, that product to people you're just reading of the same thing over and over again. You don't even understand. You don't even, yeah, you don't even understand you don't even know how the, how the thing works. It's just a computer but yet you don't know like how good it really is or how bad it is. Uh. It's yeah. very bad. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, no brands. Uh, I mean, we work for a few brands before, so uh, <laughs> we we not gonna divulge. I mean, fish. it's very bad if you don't know what you're selling. Yeah, it's uh, very bad. It's very bad to, to if you you don't understand bad. what you're selling. Yeah. So, <laughs> in in sales, uh, you definitely you got to you are, you got to understand what is your product first. Uh. Yeah. yeah, and I totally can relate to that. Not in the <laughs> aspect of IT fairs, we have worked a few times, uh, but when I was working at a duty free store, I was selling whiskeys. So, in the past, I don't drink whiskey at all. I, I didn't really like alcohol. But mm. somehow or rather, I enjoy whiskeys. At first, I didn't like the taste. But what really made me like it is the way that it was produced. So, what was interesting that I didn't know that the barrel, the wood, could give the alcohol flavor. And when I was able to deliver that, and when I learned about that, and I delivered it to the customer, I don't know, I felt like, I gave away certain nuggets of wisdom and it made my day knowing that they got away with some interesting fun fact. Yeah, and it, if if you didn't even try the product yourself, you wouldn't know like yeah. what would like uh, a smokiness of the whiskey yeah. would be like. You just be you just be repeating the same thing like, hey, yeah, yeah you I should. Oh, it's a fruity taste, but I'm like, what in the world is a fruity taste? <laughs> Do you know what's a fruity taste? Exactly. <laughs> and and then okay, uh, confession is that there was this tasting bar. So I always went there and try out different alcohols. 
each time I work in uh, well I needed to know like I can't be selling my brand of whis- whiskey the whole time mm-hmm. I needed to know what others taste like so I can tell you like hey I'm not bullshitting you this, this tastes like smoky in the sense of chow ta taste not like cigarette smoke yeah yeah, yeah. so mm. there's a lot of differences like what some can tell you oh you can taste the nutmeg the walnut I'm like are you serious it's like there's no there's no such taste where I drink it so I don't know maybe they're just but there are certain stuff where you know it's true like the chowta the smokiness and there's the ones that I like a lot yeah and another thing you just you just talked about is very, it's like very important as well like, once you get to know your own product right then you go and try your competitor's product <laughs> yeah that one is also something it's a it's a very important strategy la, for you to know what you're up against yeah mm. to know where you are at as well yeah. and to know like no, maybe you're lacking in certain areas. Where you can improve. Yeah. And a lot of people are missing that mindset. Yeah, just thinking that you're on top of the world. Nobody can hurt me now. But that's where people feel, I guess. Hmm. I don't have much experience, <laughs> you know, selling some of this okay. kind of stuff. But I, I did work at Tori Q before. <laughs> so I guess when, when people saw me, because during my lunch break or dinner break, I'll usually eat Tori Q also, like right at the store. Okay. I, I, I'm not sure if that actually helped, you know, with sales and everything because if you're thinking, oh, if they're, if they're employed, even <laughs> the employee is eating their food. Right? It must be good. <laughs> it must be good or something. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if that will affect, but that would definitely affect me. If I were to see, you know, this particular restaurant and the employees are all, all eating the restaurant's food for lunch or dinner, right? It, it's very encouraging because they're serving you the food and they're also eating the food. You know, everyone is like... So it's kind of like they're walking the talk uh, yeah. in a sense. And I think a lot of successful brands also succeed in this way that they they hire people, they, have, they hire employees who believe in their product. Mm. I mean, it doesn't matter if other people don't believe in their product. That just means that that is not their audience, right? They're not, ta- mm. they're, they're not, they're not a target audience. But anyone who likes, like let's say for... Anyone who likes Jap- Japanese food or sushi, sushi will definitely like your food. And people who don't like uh, maybe raw fish or don't like rice or they just don't like carbs, they, they wouldn't, wouldn't be like... Your audience. Yeah, they wouldn't be your audience. That's fine also. <clears throat> yeah, that's fine also, right? But more, more importantly, you need to appeal to the people who are the people that you want to appeal to. Yeah. So you mentioned that you're going to hire part-timers. Hmm. Hmm, that's interesting because I mean have you ever hired someone how do you know how to make the right hire <laughs> and stuff like that actually um, I've never really like hired have an interview like someone right? yeah so we're just gonna we're just gonna wing it uh. like right now like we just then you're like confident yeah <laughs> and just see we're not we're not really very picky we're just like letting people see whether like if the, if the environment is okay for them to work and then we'll just try 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 with, uh, try with this group of people first uh. Yeah, then we will slowly uh, evaluate. Yeah, evaluate from there whether the person is like uh good or not. So how do you evaluate then? What is a good worker? Uh, let me tell you that in one month's time. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Well, at least you are you know you're not like being over demanding and saying that you must be this this this. You are you are saying that um you're letting that person feel comfortable first. And this this like. What a lot of business are lacking. They just want something from you without caring about 
what? whether you're whether you like the work working yeah. environment, whether you like the workspace and stuff like that. Yeah, but I guess So right, how how do you think of that? Like why? Uh cause like specifically our lo- our place is very small. Okay. Yeah. So we could we can barely fit like three person inside. So like when a girl came over and I was asking her like is everything okay? You sure you're comfortable working here? You got no issues, right? Everything's alright, then uh okay lah. If you're still interested then I'll see you again next week. Then if you have anything that you are that you uncomfortable. Yeah, they're uncomfortable with then you just let us know. Ah. Yeah. You don't have to commit straight away, like it doesn't mean you come to work today, means you have to come to do work. You, do you day. pay her? Yeah. Okay. Definitely. So it was like a kinda like trial period. And she came kinda came on our low days, ah, where we were like Loud uh, yeah. Okay. When we, were, when we were doing like So loud. how is it so far? It's very chill uh, for her. So she was quite okay with it. But I told her like it's not a very good estimation. Uh, like don't expect this. Every day. Yeah, don't expect this every day. Because it just so happens like maybe when you came at the time then. So how old is she? Sorry? How old is she? How old is she? If I'm not wrong, I think she's uh, born in 1998. Oh, okay. Oh. Yeah, so it's what? 19? Uh, no, 19. I think. Six years. 19. Yeah. 6 years younger? Oh, yeah, I'm 19. Yeah. 19. Okay. Wow. Can't believe it, man. Yeah. We so. 25 already. Yeah. <clears throat> and 27 for you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. It's interesting. I never thought that, yeah, no, you'd be hiring someone so early. Yeah, yeah. But uh, it's not really counted. La. I wouldn't want to, like. No, I mean, like, uh, you know, when you're hiring someone at a job, it's usually someone. In their 30s. Yeah, yeah, I understand. But for part-timers, I guess, like, right now, is it's the time that I'm still looking for for a part-time job before school starts and everything. So that's why I say I don't really, I'm not really picky. Whoever, whoever's coming along, we just, we just pick, uh, as long as they are willing to, to work and help us out. Mm. Uh, I'm fine for now. Then maybe after that, I'll become more picky. <laughs> Once I have a bigger pool of people, then I will see, mm. like, definitely you'll see who's more capable who works yeah. faster, yeah, and stuff like that, then you will definitely pick that person over more. La. Okay. Cool. Interesting. Hiring someone. Yeah. Because yeah. it's like something so foreign to us. How do you know how to make the right hire and stuff? So, I was quite surprised when he told me that he's not picky about stuff like that. Because... I don't know if I'm doing a business. Naturally, I would want what's best for the business. I want everything to run smoothly. So, to hear it from you to say that you're actually not picky came as a surprise for me. I guess not picky in the sense that you wouldn't choose, like, you must have this, 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 this. But as long as you are willing to help, I think the personality is the most, most important thing. Yeah, yeah. and on the. And from our part also, like most of our stuff are quite like quite simple la. Mm. Yeah, so we don't really need a lot from people for now. Yeah. Like the the task that we actually give them is is simpler la. It's not as how how do you uh like post the job then? Oh no, this one is recommended by a friend. So oh, it's uh okay. Yeah, hired by my, my partner. Mm. She's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's his it's his uh friend from friend's friend or something like that. So we just decided to like See how it goes. Uh. Okay. So, have you had any conflicts with or with your partner? And how do you deal with deal with that? I mean, definitely when two people come together, there are just clashes. Yeah, just clashes of like interests. Uh, 
or like conflict of interest. Uh, conflict. Yeah. Of, yeah sorry, <laughs> conflict of interest and like uh different ideas. Yes. Uh. Mm. So the best way to do to deal with it is just to bring it up. Uh, talk about it. Mm. There's no point if like if there's something that you're unhappy with or there's something that you want to to change, but yet you just keep quiet about it, then uh, nothing gets done. Yeah, nothing gets done. Uh. So you just gotta be very vocal. Right. And then uh be confident about it. Yeah. And and both <laughs> both both parties really need to need to be able to take it. Uh. Yeah. Like whenever you need to really accept your your, your feedback, uh, whether it's from, from from either your customers, your partners or like anybody uh, then you just gotta really like take it take take the feedback in and then you really like uh process it and think like okay, like is this really constructive? If it is then I'll work on it. Yeah. So some some don't take the criticism too hard. Uh yeah. Don't some of the criticism might be like a bit biased or what at times uh. So you just gotta see those. Like out, it's uh. too expensive. Uh yeah. <laughs> price is a uh, price is a very subjective thing uh. Yeah. Yeah. But uh yeah la. So once once you have like this kind of like uh ideas right, okay. then you just throw out the ideas, put everything on the table, and then you just like uh trash it out la. So then how do you come to a decision then like? Which idea do you go for? As in, I, what, what do you mean? Like, so let's say you you and I have a differ, differing opinion on something. So, how do we decide who's right or whose idea should we go for? Usually, we'll work with, like, we get external feedback also. Lor. Okay. From, like, other people, la, you know, like, panel. Like, I mean, there was okay. something <laughs> like a panel or judges, that kind. So, probably ask, like, three or five more people for their mm. opinion. And then, like, if more of them are skewed towards one one idea, then... Uh, then we'll try it out la. So uh, most of the times like, uh, We also work on a trial and error basis uh. Like we all will, will throw it out there And then see whether it works uh, On a on trial And then if it, if it works out Then we'll keep it la. I, I find that's the best way to, to actually try new things out la. For you to just offer it On, on like a, a trial period first uh, To really try things out And see whether if it really improves Your product and improves your services and if it doesn't, right, then just scrape it off. Ah. Mm, mm. Interesting. But, yeah. So, so like, a lot of things, like, we are really excited to try, but not at the moment. Ah. Once we have, like, established a, a proper space and everything, then probably we'll embark on a lot of uh, new ideas. Ah. So, Vince, do we have any disagreements hmm? about this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> I know, I'm trying to think now. Is this, is this safe to share on air? No, it's just because... I don't think we really had much of an uh, issue, right? Did we? I mean, should, should, I, should I say that most of it, most of it are, are more of the technical stuff. Yeah, like we don't really have like... Yeah, so because I think for podcasting, it's a bit different from a business like running a F&B shop because yeah. podcasting... It has to be as open as possible, in some sense. Of course, we had certain discussions about, you know... What equipment? What equipment, uh, how long should it be, what, 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 what kind of line will work best, better for the intro, the outro, you know, what kind of website should we need. Then how do we agree? <laughs> um, most, of, most of the technical stuff, you're kind of entrusted. <laughs> That yeah. is a that's a good way to put it. Uh, in other sense, you. I don't, oh, I don't I, know. Yeah, so I wasn't. I'm not the micro kind of person. Yeah. So so that's why. Um, I would say that. It, 
usually when two people, you know, when one people when one pers- one of the partners, right, has a large idea mm. and the other has a has an equally large idea to run something. Mm. Right. Okay, let, let's look at it, let's look at it as why. So if you have two Y persons together, naturally there'll be a huge clash. Yeah. But if there's a Y person and a how person working yeah. together, okay. You complement. You complement each other. So and because not, you came yeah, out, and not saying that one is more important than the other. Yeah, right? of course, definitely. It's, it's a symbiotic relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So because you came up with the idea of the podcast and yeah. I was the one who came up with, you know, all the ways <laughs> of getting there. Yeah. Because I was also interested in the podcast, but I I I, I guess I wasn't really that um, into it. Into the idea, you know. Okay. It, to, yeah. the, to the point where I actually will like just nudge the person beside me and say, hey, let's do this. Because, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. I was literally sitting beside you when you told me to. Yeah, and but, the funny thing is, for his restaurant, mm-hmm. his pop-up restaurant, I mean, uh, it's like, he's the Y person, Zhen Wei is the Y person, and mm-hmm. his other partner is the how person. Yeah. Right. Um, The how person, Zhen Tzu, is actually the one who went to buy all the equipment, went to experiment everything, he just gave the idea. Not saying that he didn't do anything. I'm saying that yeah. it's how they complement each other. Yeah, that's why. Yeah. So yeah. I guess that's that. That's probably why like he, you you haven't like so we haven't like they haven't re- re- like encountered big problems. Yeah, big a uh, big like huge clash. You know. Yeah. I mean, a good example would be Bill Gates and Paul Allen. Bill Gates, uh, Bill Gates was the why person and Paul Allen was the how person. So that's how Microsoft came about. I mean. Mm. At least according to you know stories that are popular yeah. out there, okay. Like Steve Jobs and Steve wasn't yeah. Nicky. <coughs> was Nick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, so they don't experience such a huge issue, but I mean definitely there'll be instances where you have certain kinds of conflicts, right? Right. Because mm. sometimes the how person will also give his ideas. Yeah. Right. And that's where sometimes the how person might be right, the why person might be right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Most importantly is try it out and find yeah, out. Yeah, try it out and find out. One person has to come up with, you know, ways to an angle. The other person has to come up with ways to reach the angle. Yeah. So one person, the best is you separate your roles. Why? Mm. So how? one person will be the planner, and the other one will be the one who execute. execute. It. Yeah. 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 To put it in layman terms instead of like how and why. Yeah, yeah. Actually, yeah. it came from the the book by Simon Sinek, and both of us have read it. So yeah, yeah apologies if. Didn't make it clear, but that's how we see things. Yeah, yeah. But it works uh, It's the same. It's the same thing, just different terms. Yeah. yeah. So the person, one person come up with the idea, but the other person come up with the execution, execution method. That's right. And mm. you have to find a person that's willing to execute. Right? Yeah. And it's very yeah. important. If you put two Y person together, then I think nothing will get done. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just be all talking. Yeah. yeah. If you put two how person together, then I don't think the plan will be a very good, a yeah. very solid. Mm, that's plan. right. That's right. So how how do you identify like who's a why person? I certainly didn't know that you were the how person. You just came on like that. Like maybe right time, right place. Yeah. Maybe it's a kind of like fit kind of thing. But no la, I mean you can you can really mm. tell from a person's uh, character. Yeah. Mm. Whether a person is like damn on or like. Uh, hands-on person uh, you can see but it. how do you tell like Chen Zhu was the hands-on person actually no we, we couldn't really tell so, <laughs> so yeah <laughs> all, see, all these things it's just, all yeah. fate, like what you said but I knew that he was a person who get things done usually get things done in the office yeah but I guess all these kind of things can mm. is very is, it can be like 
decided upon uh. Like two person can come together and then you just set your roles and then like from then you just work on it. Uh. Mm. Like if two person you don't know you don't know whether you are the planner or you're the executor, then you just put like both of you just decide on one role each and then the other person just got it. I mean, no matter what you do, you just gotta do it well. Uh. So yeah. let's say if you have the responsibility of like the how person, right? Yeah, then just make sure you get everything done on time and done properly and then the other person will just have to just keep thinking up of uh new ideas and plans. Uh. So I don't mm. think it really has yeah, to do with like a personality or, or anything. Okay. Mm. And to add on to that is actually when he's always like on the ball and discipline and stuff, right? It actually uh, rubs off onto me. I'm seriously quite a lazy person. <laughs> but sometimes when I see the way he does things it gives me that push to, you know, want to get things done on time. Like he's quite a perfectionist kind of person. So I kinda put in the extra effort to like the show notes I hate I don't really enjoy it I don't hate it but <laughs> it's a chore like I still do it because like I want to like even out the roles as much as possible I want to make sure that like, both parties are happy yeah like no I don't want to have him think that he's doing a bulk of the work or I'm doing the bulk of the work it has to be equal we're in this together so there's no reason for me to do Lesser than what he's doing. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I don't know. Maybe you could cons- You might take this into um, consideration. I don't know. Perhaps when you run into issues with your business partner or future business partner, or even conflicts with your girlfriend or your family, okay. it applies to every facet of your life. Yeah, and uh, can you ask? Do you want to ask him the eighteen hours? question oh <laughs> is, it, is it 18 hours yeah, yeah because no no 16 hours yeah 16 hours. yeah because on average people you know everyone sleeps 8 hours a day right uh-huh. okay considering everyone sleeps 8 hours a day you'll be awake 16 hours of the day okay right? so out of the 16 hours what is that one thing that you spend the most time on Other okay than if you can't think of that right now then you can yeah. share share your answer again yeah because okay, yeah, out, out, give you time to think. out yeah, out of sixteen hours, okay. <clears throat> Sorry. Out of sixteen hours, if I'm working on like Mondays to Fridays, right? More, because my job in, involves writing. So already at least at least three to four hours, at least half the time at work would be spent on writing. And when I get when I get home, next thing I do is also either write reading or writing. So most of my time of my time awake I'm done reading and writing. So that's pretty much my life. It might seem very boring to someone who likes, you know, physic- a lot of physical stuff and everything. But it's something that excites me every day when I wake up. I'll, I'll be thinking, oh, what am I going to read today? What am I going to write today? I don't know. It's just something that excites me so much, you know, when I wake up. Okay, I'm ready to read. Yeah, I'm ready to read. I'm ready to I'm ready to read and I'm ready to write. Put my fingers to work. Yeah, yeah. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Or my my eyes or something, yeah. Uh well, this is a tough one because okay. I can't really put anything on it. But I think we'll be facing people. Uh. Meeting new people. Uh, meeting. whether it's meeting new people or like the people that I work with, I guess like uh a lot of interaction. I actually mm. look forward to this interaction every day, oh. of meeting like new customers, of like uh meeting coworkers, meeting my partner and stuff like that, lah. But Highly most, extroverted person. Yeah, that's why I say I, I consider myself to be quite sociable. 
Yeah. But I'm like like in this line, it gives you happiness when you interact with your customers and find out about uh their experience uh, and find out what uh they enjoy. They, yeah, what they enjoy. So mm. I guess that's what I do most of the time. I go around and I ask people like, hey, so how's everything going today? Like, uh, how's the food? Is everything alright? And stuff like that. Then I get satisfaction from there. It's the same as you lah. I look forward to waking mm. up every day and to like serve these people right? and then like to, mm. to see what their reaction is. Uh. Yeah. Yeah, in a sense, he has always been the social butterfly in every <laughs> um, occasion. Mm. Whenever he's at place. He was always the the life of the party, I would say. Mm. Yeah. And uh he's always the one <laughs> making <laughs> making people drink. <laughs> so he's that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> he's like the Harry Potter <laughs> feeding Dumbledore. <laughs> yeah, that was a inside joke that we always crack among yeah. our friends. So yeah. And it's pretty interesting. Last week Sean, our previous guest, said he had to listen to music, right? Yeah. And it, you know, this is like a it's like so different. Like every time we meet new people, we go ask them that. I think that will be one of the questions. Yeah, it's a good it's a good question. It's, yeah, good it's question. like hmm, yeah. okay, we didn't expect that. Like who who knew that you want to? But for me, I don't know, I don't like to talk, but I just like to talk like that. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But for you you want to know feedback. Yeah. For me, mm. it's just, you know, maybe you can talk, you can term it as picking people's brains, but it's really just to hear your stories. Yeah. So, we have writing, talking. More talking. More talking. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Output, man. Output. It's all, it's all about output. What else did we ask? Hmm? What else did we ask? Yeah. Oh. Um, if... If let's say tomorrow the world will end on the world will change in a way that will change how everyone does things. So you can only do one thing for the rest of your life, what would that one thing be? Anything. Yeah. Yeah, any anything you, you can okay, last last week. Yeah, you Sean just gave said, the same answer, right? Writing, right? What? You gave that an- your answer was writing, right? Yeah, because okay, I guess because not everyone you know most of their waking time and what they want to do, what's that one thing they can do for the rest of their life? Sometimes, some people are not yeah, in line. Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess ideally, you, you must be in line, but it doesn't have to be in line right now, right? Yeah. Mm. So, for me, it was, it was still writing. For <laughs> Sean, it was what? music. Listening to music. My, my, my would be a uh, very definite answer is that would be eating. eating. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I, interesting. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't mind just like oh, just eating. Do I still do I still get to sleep? Because uh. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the life I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And when I when I ask anything I meant like I could eat anything. <laughs> yeah. So I I guess I'll go with that answer. Like. I mean I would just That is mm. quite funny. He's like his answers are quite paradoxical. In the mm. sense that you see, he's quite driven, <coughs> motivated, mm. but yet he wants to do that. He's like for his whole life, so it's kind of like a contradiction. It was okay. I, I'm I'm a person that can eat alone, <laughs> so I don't I don't find anything uh. wrong with like eating alone for the rest of my life. No, 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 <laughs> eating alone. But it sense that like it kind of sounds like you just want to eat and sleep. Oh, right, right. But but yet you are motivated and driven. At the With same your, time. Yeah, food business kind yeah. of thing, yeah. So don't you think like it's kinda different? Like one is one end of the spectrum and one's the other end. 
but I really enjoy eating. Hmm, <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But do you have like a role model? Someone you aspire to be? Uh, I wouldn't say a single person, but I actually look up to a few people. I mean, okay. I can't name them off. No. My, I can't name them off now, but... Uh, it seems like you like Anthony Bourdain. Bourdain's fine, but I guess he has a history of like... Jugs. Yeah, his history isn't that fantastic, but yeah, I mean, his life is something like I would aspire to be a traveler like, yeah, a traveler e- eating eating and eating again <laughs> yeah and he can and he can cook sir. but uh, if you're talking about business wise then it would be more like lo- local entrepreneurs and stuff like that la. oh yeah like mm-hmm. older ones like, I, I, I can't remember their names but they are like the owners of like certain like conglomerates of like uh, companies it's funny it's like you normally people would come up with names like oh Steve Jobs Bill Gates and stuff yeah, but, but you look at the local people. yeah I I choose those that I feel is still achievable <laughs> <laughs> so we start off small first yeah mm, it's interesting I mean like if like I always ask myself like, I mean if these people can do it why can't I mm. yeah. and it's all we're all from the same like motherland yeah from the same <laughs> area working with the same people, uh, we have the access to the same kind of resources. Or oh, in fact, more resources. Uh, if, yeah, in fact, more. Because like, as we grow older and stuff like that, yeah, definitely we, we are getting more and more connected. La. So, my motivation is actually more from local entrepreneurs who has really achieved something. Yeah. And I would say like, uh, Silicon Valley is a bit far off. Uh. I wouldn't say far-fetched, but I would say far off. Yeah. But, that would be in a, a different scale. Yeah, I guess that's it. Yeah, it's about an hour already, right? An hour and a half. Huh? <laughs> okay, that's fast. I think yeah. we can end off. How do we end? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Uh. Okay, that's, that's it. it. Okay, okay, thank bye. you. That's it. Thank you for staying until the end of the podcast. If you enjoyed this, Share this with your friends and tag us on Instagram or Facebook to connect with us. We'd appreciate any sort of feedback. Be sure to check out the show notes at theanecdotes.net. T-H-E-A-N-E-C-D-O-T-E-S.net. Thank you once again. <laughs>